when it's all said and done and I'm sitting there looking at my life story in my head, I want to say, that was a good movie. That was a good movie. That's all I want. I just want to live a great story. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another outstanding episode of For the Love of Money, maybe one of the most inspiring episodes that we have ever, ever done, because I'm going to sit down with Charlie the Rocket Jabbily. I hope that you guys are following this guy. If you're not, you're going to be by the end of this episode. Now, before we dive into this thing, we are getting so close to filling the 2019 Elite Mastermind. I have been on the road nonstop. And so I've halted those interview calls. And now that I'm back home, we are going to be knocking through all of these applications. So get your application in. If you are a multiple six-figure earning, or if you've just squeaked over seven figures type of entrepreneur, and you're looking for the tribe that actually understands you, the tribe that helps increase your income, the tribe that helps increase your impact, the tribe that makes you feel like you're not alone and gives you every single idea that you've been missing up till now to radically grow your business. The results from last year were so good that over half of the mastermind renewed for this year. So there's not many spots left. Go check it out for yourself. Go to fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Again, any of you that are a multiple six-figure entrepreneur or lower seven-figure entrepreneur, in one year, we're teaching you how to get to multiple seven figures. Go to forlovemoney.com forward slash mastermind. Check out the details there. Hit apply. I want to have as many of these phone conversations about your applications as possible because it's my job that I take so serious to find the absolute best personalities possible to put in that room. That's what I take most seriously. So please go to fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind, fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind, check out the details and hit apply. All right, so let's get ready to rock your world because this episode is outstanding. Charlie Jabbly was actually once known as CEO Charlie, and I'm sure a lot of you followed him back then. He was a really successful music manager for celebrity recording artists. Um, you know, he's running a $15 million business. He was winning Grammys, you guys, but it didn't add up to a life of happiness or health or fulfillment. He had just gotten way too far down the wrong road for the, the wrong reasons. And he knew something had to change. And his story about how he found out that something had to change and how he created this radical change in his life is going to blow your mind. He walked away from everything. He walked away from everything to lead a happier, healthier, more fulfilling life. And it worked. It worked, you guys. He lost 130 pounds. He got healthy. He biked across the United States of America on a charity ride that he just made up and raised money for, gave away cars, paid off mortgages, you name it. He literally is now living everything that this podcast stands for. And I can't wait for you to hear this episode. This is going to be one of the great stories that reminds all of us to become wealthy in all ways not just monetarily. So seriously, get ready because this episode is about to rock your world. Charlie, my man, how you doing? 
Chris! <laughs> Dude, seriously, I'm so excited to have you on. Just like I was talking offline with you a little bit, everything you're going through right now absolutely fits into the ethos of the show. And I feel like people's worlds are about to get rocked. Man, let's rock their worlds, bro. <laughs> let's do it. All right, so check it out. I start my show with Rapid Fire. It's a fun way to help my listeners get to know you in a hurry. And if something really good comes up, we want to circle back around and do a deep dive on it. That's what we'll do. Sound good? Sounds good. Rapid fire, rapid fire. Let's go. <laughs> All right, man. We'll start easy. Where'd you grow up? Atlanta, Georgia. And where do you live now? Manhattan Beach, California. It's a gorgeous area down there. Favorite quote? Oh, oh, favorite quote. It, even water, if it sits still long enough, starts stinking. Oh, that's awesome. I haven't heard that before. That's awesome. What's one of your, <laughs> what's one of your superpowers, man? Uh, manifestation. Ooh, damn, that's good. One of your favorite books? Compound Effect was dope. To Be Loved by Barry Gordy. It taught me that uh, people are going to be disloyal no matter how good you are, and that's okay. And let's see, one last book, one last book. Uh, the Operator, uh, David Geffen's autobiography. It it it, it taught me uh, how dishonest people can be, and it inspired me to never want to be dishonest. Oh, I love that. I learned so much through other people's stories, and sometimes what I learned is how I don't want to show up, and that sounds exactly what happened to you. Mm-hmm. One exactly. thing you're challenged by right now, Charlie? Uh, my weight. I've been I've, this year. Well, overall, I've lost 130 pounds, but this year I did an Ironman. I biked across America and did a marathon, and I haven't lost any weight. So I'm learning a lot about getting the last like 40 pounds off, and maybe, maybe cardio isn't how you lose weight after all at a certain point. No. So that's a it's a, something I'm learning, and um, yeah, so I'm 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 fighting through it. It's a struggle. It sends me into depressions and insecurities, and I'm on a search for self-love. You know what? You've been really transparent about that on Instagram, so we're going to circle back around to that in a couple of moments here. Favorite advice you've ever given? Ever given? Uh, boil water, not a lake. Oh, so so, good. so in marketing, too many times we try to boil a lake. Chris, if I asked you to go boil a lake right now, you probably spent the rest of your life trying to figure it out. But what I always did in business and in marketing is I would I would boil a pot of water. The goal is to be hot somewhere. And and once we have one pot of boiling water, we could add more to it and it can boil way faster. And technically, we could get up to the size of a lake through that process. So the goal is to be hot. So focus on that one small little area. In music, I would focus on one club or one neighborhood or one side of the city. And the next thing you know, boil a couple more. We've got this, the whole region, then the whole half of the country, then the whole country, then the whole world. But boil pots of water, not lakes. Man, I love it. Who's someone who's changed your life? I would say a person who changed my life dramatically was my best friend, Scott. He was that friend. Like I struggled with my weight for 10 years. And he never left me like I would have gave up on me and he never would. Like we would run marathons together. And even though I could run, I could only run, you know, I was really slow and overweight. He would never run ahead of me. When I stopped, he would stop. He biked across America with me. He ran five marathons with me. He did an Ironman with me. And no matter what, he never ran ahead or left me. Wow, that is awesome. I'm excited to explore that relationship a little bit because I've been seeing that unfold once I started following you. A couple more questions here real quick. What is your all-time favorite accomplishment this far? I would say biking across America would be number one. Number two 
is what I did in the music industry, like having a Grammys and stuff like that. So I'd say those two things were what I'm most proud of. The dichotomy between those two is outstanding. That's amazing. One thing you'd change from your past? Everything. I re- I, I'm a completely opposite person. Everything changed. Everything I consumed, where I lived, the people I surrounded myself with. I, uh, I'm now vegan. I was this, I was this meat-eating, 305-pound, diagnosed with a brain tumor, music industry executive. Now I'm this you know, California vegan endurance athlete doing Ironman biking across America, retired from the music industry, dedicating my life to giving back to people. Wow. Complete opposite human being. I can't. And it all happened in a year. I know. It's been the most like transitional year ever for you. It's going to be wild to hear a little bit more about that story in a moment here. Two more questions. Something generous you've done recently. My favorite one was I jumped out of a dumpster to surprise a barista who works at Starbucks with a new car. Because when I was biking across America, Starbucks would not let me film inside. This young lady, she was going off to college, special young lady, and she 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 was homeless and she was abused and she supported herself. But when she was going off to college, she wouldn't have a way to get to work and she's paying for college herself. So I wanted to surprise her at Starbucks but Starbucks said, you can't film in Starbucks, surprising her with the news cameras and all that. So I said, can I film in the parking lot? So she went to take the trash out and I hopped out the dumpster, surprised her. The car <laughs> pulled up, the news cameras came out. It was insane. That was my favorite give back. Oh I've my God, that's freaking awesome. And last question is this, what are you grateful for today? Man, today. Wow, Chris, man. Okay. Help me out. What's something you're grateful for today? I need your help. Uh, This interview right now, the fact that I get to talk to you. I'm a huge fan of the transition you've went through in the past year. And so being able to explore that story with you, grateful as fuck, man. Okay. I'm going to do some law of attraction greatness right now. Gratefulness right now. So I sent an idea to Nike today. Okay. And I'm grateful that I've got their eyes and ears and and their platform to be able to use that to help inspire the world because they're the most motivating company in the world. And I want to use this podcast as like an antenna for my law of attraction real quick because our hearts, if they send out a signal, it like attracts it way better. So if there's, you know, 10 people, 10,000 people, 100,000 people, a million people listening, and they're hearing this, it's just going to add to the law of attraction and the manifestation that maybe Nike will love the idea that I pitched because it's going to inspire and change so many lives. So I'm going to use this podcast as my law of attraction manifestation antenna. And if everybody listening right now could just kind of put it in their heart, because it would be a huge blessing. So being on this podcast is what I'm grateful for and the attraction that this is going to bring into my life. So that's what I'm grateful for. Dude, so good. I love it. I love the way you explain law of attraction right there. All right. So let's go a little bit deeper into the interview. And I want to start with this year that you're in right now. This has been the most transformative year of your life, I'm guessing. And I'm totally blown away ever since I've been watching and tapping into this journey that you're on. And so let's kind of start with where you just came from, the career that initially made you famous. I mean, you were known as CEO Charlie. You were this successful music manager for celebrity recording artists. You're running a $15 million business, if I, if I read that correctly. Yeah. And you were winning Grammys. Like, 
you quote, had it all, but you weren't happy. Tell us about this. Man, it's, it, it's, it's a really tough place when, when the gap is so wide between what society says, oh man, he has it all, and what you feel is I have nothing. You know, like, like the gap is so wide that it actually makes it worse because you've got this web that is just weaved that you're stuck in. You're literally stuck. And I was stuck in life. Everything for me was a trap. When, when, when you deal with like, let's say a food addiction, business is a trigger because let's think about it. Business, stress leads to food. Success and celebration leads to food. Deal making, breaking bread leads to food. So I was, I was literally trapped. And I was CEO Charlie. I was a businessman ever since I was 11 years old. I was a businessman. My name, I named myself CEO Charlie because I love attraction that into my life. I literally dressed up as a businessman because I wanted to be that guy. I wore a suit and a briefcase to school and boom, boom. Like I wanted to be CEO Charlie, but it became this life trap to where I was going to die. Like, like I was so sick that I had to reinvent my entire life. I had to change everything like we talked about earlier. But yes, where I came from was business. And I had everything, but I had nothing because money meant absolutely nothing. When I was at that rock bottom place, I felt like I was going to die. And when you're at that moment and you look at your life, almost like you're sitting in a theater room, looking up at a screen and you're saying to yourself, this movie sucks. Wow. Charlie, like, how'd, you, how'd you get so far down that road? Like, how were you so successful in some aspects, but so lost in others? How'd you wake up there one day? Man, you know what? I don't think any of this is by accident. I got, I got there because I, I was doing something I wasn't supposed to do. It wasn't my my forever life purpose, it was supposed to be there because I was supposed to go through everything I went through so I could help people. I always say being perfect never helped anybody. So everything I went through was a gift because now I can help people. But the reason why I got into the mess is for one reason. At age eight, when, when we're eight years old, check this out, Chris. When we're eight years old, all we know is our truth. It's before society, 401ks, what's expected of us, what's not. Like da-da. We just have a dream. That true dream. And my dream, I wanted to be an athlete, Chris, but I couldn't. I was overweight even as a child. My first diet was at age eight. Wow. I loved basketball. And when you're getting to that age and you're looking around to your peers, Oh, these guys over here, they're good at basketball. These guys over here, they're good at dancing. These guys over here, they're good at whatever. I needed something to be good at. And I buried my dream of being an athlete. And I said, I'm going to be CEO Charlie. So that's how I got into the mess because I wasn't exactly chasing my life's purpose. Now, it's a part of the part of the story. Going into business, obviously I was good at it and you know I, I, I learned a lot and I did a lot, but I had to recorrect my path. 
I had to reconcile and I had to realize I got off track. And I'm 29 years old, 305 pounds with a brain tumor. I need to jump tracks because I want my movie to be good at that. When I'm when I'm when I when it's all said and done and I'm sitting there looking at my life story in my head, I want to say that was a good movie. That was a good movie. That's all I want. I just want to live a great story. Well, you know, to number one, Charlie, you already are. Like this is fascinating what you've done up to this point and and the transition that you're in right now. So let's take one step further in the journey. You were mm-hmm. over 300 pounds. This was yes. only like a year ago, right? Year and a half ago? Year and a half ago, okay. yes. Your business, totally toxic. You had a brain tumor for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. And you knew that everything in your life needed to change. Yes. And you sat down and you wrote this contract to yourself. Tell yes. Us, what was this contract? Tell us about this contract. Contract to myself. I said to myself, I said, I've always kept my word to everybody else. If I tell my artist or if I tell my business partner or if I tell my mother I'm going to do something for them, I'll do it. But I make these resolutions to myself and I always, I I never keep my word to myself. So I said, you know what, I'm going to make a contract. And I'm going to make it public and I'm going to tell everybody over and over what I'm going to do. And when I wrote on that contract, I said, I'm going to be top 1% of athletes in the world. And I said, what feat would be one top 1%? I said, an Ironman. An Ironman is the most incredible feat of all time. And I said, I'm going to do it. And when I told people, they didn't exactly believe me. I remember I was sitting around some old guys. And they said, Charlie, they looked at me and they were like, Charlie, like you should set more realistic goals because you're just going to disappoint yourself. He says, start small. And that fueled my fire. I was like, you want me to be realistic? Everything I've done my entire life has not been realistic. So if I want to, if I want to, I need to treat my health like I treat my business. I need some big, crazy, bold goal because I realized Saying I'm going to do an Ironman, it actually was easier than saying I'm going to wake up and run every day. Whoa. Because I wouldn't weave this web of accountability. My friends wouldn't be proud of me if I said, I'm going to wake up and run every day. They would just be like, okay, cool. But then it became my identity. Then when they're introducing me at a party to their friend, oh, this is Charlie. He's training for an Ironman. It became who I was. So how could I back out of it? You were locked in. I was locked in. It's kind of genius. Kind of brilliant. Thank you, man. <laughs> All right. So, what do you have to leave behind, so to speak, in order to pursue this new life? Because you went from, you know, what people would picture as this high partying, high paced music life, unhealthy, the whole nine yards, and and the tribe you're running around with while you're doing that, to now this new life of impact and happiness and health and wanting to make a difference. What do you have to leave behind? I left behind everything I ever was. And that was a businessman. And I had to, I just like how I created CEO Charlie, I created this character that I wanted to grow into. It was my law of attraction. Like I literally would dress up as him 
to become him. And it would attract all the business stuff into my life. And I said, you know what? I need to do that. But I need to do it as an athlete. I said, I'm going to create a superhero who's going to save myself. And I'm going to name him Charlie Rocket. And that's going to be my athlete name. And I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to dress up as Charlie Rocket. Charlie Rocket has an outfit. He has his bandana. Charlie Rocket has his sunglasses when he's working out, wearing bright, colorful colors, just glowing as he's working out, smiling. And I woke up every single day and I dressed up like Charlie Rocket. And I became Charlie Rocket. And I lost that 130 pounds. I did that Ironman that those old heads said, set realistic goals. Ten months later, I did the Ironman in New Zealand. It took me 16 hours and 41 minutes, but I did it. I was second to last place, but I did it. I did not get disqualified. I was minutes away from being disqualified, but I did it. And then after that, I biked across America. 3,800 miles took me 90 days. I biked across America and I became Charlie Rocket. And I just, I just had to create that character. I had to, I had to envision him. I had to live him in order to do it. And uh, yeah, so that's what I left behind. That's insane. The level of commitment down to the fact of creating a character and dressing as a character and living into that character. The way that you create change, or let's use your term, the way that you manifest change in your life is one of the most shining examples I've ever seen of somebody following through and truly manifesting. It, it, it's amazing. Thank you so much. So let's talk about this cross-country tour because you just mentioned it. I think it started in April, if I have it correct. It and is. you did this cross-country... No, this is like my ethos. I'm fascinated to hear about this. You did a cross-country tour called the Dream Machine Tour. Yeah. And here you are with your buddy riding bikes all the way across America from Santa Monica to New York. That's right. Chased by a motorhome. Yes. Helping people's dreams come true. That's right. Dude, this is like my dream come true. Okay. Where'd the idea come from? Okay. So we just got done biking across America. I mean, we just got done with the Ironman and we had about four weeks to organize this whole thing. And it was something that was in the back of my head and My business partner and best friend, Scott, knows I'm crazy. And I said, you know what? Let's do this. April 22nd, let's just pull it together and figure it out. And one day we were biking down the coast and there was this RV park. All these families were on vacation. I was like, let's just look at RVs real quick. And there was this RV that had a for sale sign on it. And we thought it was going to be like way out of our price range. And I just wanted to ask the guy, I like interrupted his family vacation. He came outside and he said, you know what? Like, you know, it's going to be 45,000. I said, I thought these things cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, I think we can like make this happen. So we got the RV, we we wrapped it in this colorful, fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Its name is the Dream Machine. And we allowed everybody to write their dreams all over it. I think right now it has over 10,000 dreams on it. And We just set off and we got a tour sponsor and we were just winging it left and right and left. And we were just pulling it all together. And I was actually right before this, right before we hopped on this podcast interview, I was talking to Scott. I said, Scott, because I vowed to him 
not to do anything crazy for a long time. And, um, you know, the bike across America took a lot out of us. It was very hard, you know, biking 80, 90 miles a day, you know, it was hot mountains, desert, craziest. And I said to Scott, right before we got on the phone, I said, Scott, I think I want to bike across America again. I think I want to turn it into an annual thing. And he said, he said, Charlie, like we we were killing ourselves because we didn't have the funding we needed. So we were like, I mean, it's very difficult to pull it together because we wanted to tell the story. Like plenty of people bike across America, but nobody is able to tell the stories the way we were able to and uh, and actually get the attention and the CNN interviews and all the crazy things that happen and the give backs. And he said, we're going to need more money. We're going to need to raise money uh, to do it this year. And I said, you know what, Scott, I'm up for that challenge. I, I want to do it again. It impacted and inspired so many people. We got out there to touch the people. I said, I'm going to put it out there that we're going to raise enough money to truly do it right. That keeps us out of danger and keeps us healthy and we can go impact and touch the people. Dude, I love this. Okay, so I got two questions just arose from that. Number one, what did the first tour cost you? Do you know what the total budget was for that thing? Okay, so it was two parts. So what it cost to actually do the tour was like 300 grand and that was on a shoestring. Like we were scrapping to pull it off for that. What would make it realistic to pull off is about half a million to three quarters of a million. Now we did a lot of givebacks. We, you know, had a sponsor who paid off a, a teacher's mortgage. She had breast cancer. We bought her a car. We we bought this girl who had an amputated leg. We bought her a running prosthetic. We we did a, a a shoe frenzy in Atlanta where we got everybody out running and moving, and we gave away three hundred and five pairs of shoes. So we did a lot of givebacks. So you know, the more money we could raise, the more we can give back. Um, to keep me, Scott, the production team, you know, have, you know, the nutrition and just keep everybody safe on that road for 90 days, I would say about half a million to 600,000 to pull it off properly. Now, the 300 grand the first time around, that came from sponsors, right? And that partially came- yourself? And myself, yes. Okay. So let's talk about the sponsors because what you did, and I just want to repeat so everybody catches it because this is the part where I just freaking love it. You surprised people in need by paying off mortgages, giving away cars, giving away shoes, like you said, to get everyone running. Like you did all these epic surprises with this money. It's not like you were using a 300 grand to, you know, pedal across the country and stay at the Ritz every freaking night. You were like taking this money, this tool, and you were doing good with it. So, what was the best surprise that you did for someone other than jumping out of the dumpster for the Starbucks woman? The the first one we did, and this was so I call it quantum, like 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 this was the most amazing serendipitous thing that's ever happened in my life. So we're biking into Phoenix, Arizona, and we got this story from uh, Oprah's producer of twenty five years. Her name is Lisa Miner. She works on our team, and she helps us find the people who we're going to help. And so we're biking into Phoenix. The school system there just went on strike. And the teachers obviously make their yearly salaries, but the teachers' aides get paid get paid hourly. So if they're not working, they're not getting paid. So the entire school system walked out. And there was this lady at the school named Miss Rose. She, had, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. 
She's about 60 years old. She didn't hardly miss a day of school while going through chemo and everything. She loved the kids that much. She didn't have a car and she didn't know how she was going to pay her mortgage. All the, Her life was just crashing down around her, but she was staying so strong and always going to work. But she was in a tough financial place because one, the school system walked out, so she wasn't getting paid. And then two, summer was coming up and she has all her chemo treatments. So we heard about her story. I called my friend Eamon, who owns Vero. That was our title sponsor for the tour. And he paid off her mortgage on her house completely, $90,000. He paid off her medical bills completely, $60,000. And he bought her a new minivan. And it was all just making some phone calls and just rallying the troops to help because you know, we would have never known about Miss Rose if we weren't out there trying to make a difference. Charlie, talk to me about generosity and, and both your generosity during this tour and the generosity that came from all of those who donated to make the tour possible. Where did this drive to attach this life change that you're having to generosity and making a difference come from? Man, when I was in a dark place, there were no real role models I could look at that I could relate to. Everybody like who was in the health space, they had like ulterior motives. They said they wanted to help, but they really just wanted to sell like protein shake or like some like, you know, step-by-step guide that costs thousands of dollars for, you know, a PDF document or something. And I was like... When I get out of this mess that I'm in and I get to where I want to be, I'm going to reach my hand back and I'm going to be the guy who I wish existed for me when I was in a bad place. And I said, you know what? I want to be authentic. I want to help people. I want to transform lives. I want to get out and and, and literally reach my hand out so people can hold my hand and I can talk to them and I can lead by example. Like not just talking, but like leading through action. Too many people in this world are you should people. They get up on stages or they get on YouTube or Instagram and they say, you should do this. You should do that. And I never say those words, you should. I want to just teach through my actions and talk about what I've experienced, good or bad. And I want to show people that the best way to teach is through doing. And that's what I wanted to embody in my life of generosity and giving back and leading by example and being that role model with authentic intentions. and. That's what I built my whole life around uh, as my reinvention. I wanted to build everything around that that purpose, that that give back, and and that authenticity. Man, I love that. I support it. I got your back on that. That is for sure. Talk to me about money, by the way. You know, money really is just a tool, right? And you can use it for good. You can use it for bad. You can mm-hmm. do whatever agenda you want with it. What did money mean to you when you were a music manager? and playing in that world. And what does it mean to you now that you're using it as a tool for impact? So on this conversation, we have to sit at different 
different seats of the table when we had these conversations. I don't like when somebody says, you know, uh, you know, money, you know, isn't the most important thing. Money is the most important thing when you don't have it. Like, so we can't tell somebody who's not, you know, in a position and they don't know how to pay their light bills or, you know, they've got a surgery coming up and they have no idea how they're going to pay their rent or that that beautiful lady who had breast cancer, who was a teacher, like money is extremely important. So I never want anybody to downplay, oh, money isn't important. No, money is very important. But we need to sit at different seats of the table and look at it from different angles. When I had nothing and I was living in my mom's basement and I, I like I had to focus on money at the time, I couldn't I couldn't I didn't have the luxury of focusing on some of these 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 loftier things of like giving back because I had to survive first. Like we have to get ourselves out of the hole first. And then after we do that, we have to do what's right. See, money is gonna magnify who we are. It's either gonna make you worse of a person. When you get a lot of it, or it's going to make you a better person. For me, it makes me a better person the more I have because I don't, I, I stress out over money a lot. I grew up, you know, in a very thrifty family. We would shop at thrift stores, we'd count every penny. And there was like this ingrained stress with the relationship of money. So I'm the type where if I have more money, I become a better person. I become less stressed. I become more giving, more more gratitude for other people. I could focus on things other than money, but money is 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 a very important part of our lives. What I did though was I didn't focus on the money. I focused on the growth of money to where it wasn't the money I cared about. It was the number. I wanted to beat my highest score when I was a young entrepreneur. It was like playing a video game. Now, there's no real reward from playing video games unless you're a pro gamer, but the goal is, okay, I had a high score. I want to beat it. So I was focused on beating my highest score, not so much the money, and that made me not addicted to the money and what it can buy me and the fancy things. I always lived very frugally. I was in the music industry, but lived very frugally. Uh, I took my money and I bought real estate and rental properties and stocks and because I just wanted to watch it grow. That was my goal. I wanted to beat my high score. So in order to beat my high score, the money had to make money itself instead of me spending it on, you know, Ferraris or, or stupid things like that. Not that it's stupid. For some people, if they have money, they should be able to buy it. You know, the people could do what they want with money. Nobody should judge them on that. So sorry for saying stupid, but for <laughs> me, it would be stupid. Like that's not how I would spend my money because I want to, I want to help get my dad a, a beach house one day, you know, so he could retire on the beach or my mom, you know, addition on her house. So that was always my goal. Man, I love the way you painted that picture. And I can see a link between the way you grew up forcing you to be frugal with the way that you manage and value and take care of your money now. I literally see a correlation there and it's really, really cool. So I want to talk about a different type of worth real quick. I want to kind of shift a little bit. And that is you've been very open about your struggles with self-worth. And I want to, first of all, acknowledge you and applaud you for this because everybody struggles with it to some extent. And to you, 
it's been talking about your physical journey, you know, not necessarily loving your body all the time and being on this journey of weight loss and trying mm-hmm. to get rid of that, the last stubborn pounds, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. what has made you choose to be so transparent and open about this? Well, I realized something. And I'm going to write a book about it. And I'm going to share it with you first. And this is a business concept that I believe will transform all business, even though it's been happening for you know, centuries. But very few people have paid attention to it. And I call it the I am you theory. Okay? The I am you theory. The most successful things in the world, businesses, people, leaders, corporations, follow this. And all of us have completely missed it. Okay. It started with a simple Google search. What is the most profitable superhero franchise? Guess you, yeah. Nope. And and I was surprised when I when I found out it was Spider-Man. And I started to ask myself, why Spider-Man? The only thing that I could come up with at the time before I put the IMU theory together was, wow, Spider-Man is the only one that doesn't have strong muscles, the only one that doesn't have a chiseled chin, the only one that's struggling to pay his rent or his his aunt's rent. He was literally just like us. He was just the regular boy or the regular guy. and. That's the IMU theory. So then I thought about it, part two, and I said, okay, what's the biggest religion in the world with the amount of followers? And I saw, okay, Christianity. So I'm going to look at it as like um, just a, you know, a a 30,000 foot view. And I said, why? And I thought about it. It was a lot like Spider-Man. It was a carpenter, hung out with poor people. You know, just a just just a regular guy. He wasn't on a horse. Jesus wasn't on a horse with a sword and armor saying, I'm your great savior. Come follow me. Now, yes, he would have had more than 12 followers at the time if he did that. But the most significant man, maybe on the history of the earth, only had 12 followers. But he was us. He was a regular guy. So then I said, okay. I'm seeing a pattern here with the IMU theory. The biggest things in the world are just like us. They're not different. They, they do have things that are extraordinary, but they're just like us, or at least they, they show us that they're just like us. So I said, does this exist with corporations? And I looked at what is the biggest corporation in the world? I think it's Apple. Amazon. Apple, yeah. Apple, first trillion dollar company. And I said, okay. The CEO, he looked just like my dad. (laughs) I was like, this guy is like got the turtleneck. He's not wearing the suit. He's not intimidating. You know, he was he was just like us. And he's the most like CEO, maybe in the history of the world. And he was just like us. So that's that IMU theory. And then I thought about their their successful products. And they named their first computer Lisa. Well, not Inspire on 3000, but Lisa. (laughs) The product is just like us. Macintosh, that's a human name. That's just like us. And then they took it to the next level with the I. Ah, the I. 
iPod. It was literally us. These devices were not some random computer names with 3,000 on the end or some corporation. These, these were human products. And then I thought about it. The IMU theory in marketing, when you look at a Spider-Man or you look at a Michael Jordan, what's the difference between Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and LeBron? Michael Jordan had the gift of getting cut from his high school team. That's why in the second quarter of a regular season game, the cameras are going off every time he touches the ball. And that doesn't happen for Kobe or LeBron because Kobe and LeBron were always so great. And what made Michael the greatest is that he was us. He even had the theme song. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You know, if I could be like Mike, that's the I am you theory theme song. But Kobe was the black mamba. He was alone and isolated. LeBron was genetically a superhero just with all the muscles. That's why we don't identify them as the best ever. And Michael got cut. Oprah was abused. Like these, the most, the, the most powerful people in the world are just like us. But if you notice on social media today, everybody says, I'm nothing like you. I'm nothing like you. I'm nothing like you. That's why you should follow me. Ah. But the most successful things in the history of the world are, I'm just like you. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. That's why you should follow me everybody's got it wrong and it's time to flip the paradigm. Dude, this I am you theory is game changing. And it makes sense why you are being so damn transparent with your journey, with your feelings, with your struggles, so that everyone can understand that you are just like them. You struggle with the same things as them. And therefore, they're going to be that much more likely to trust in your guidance, trust in your leadership, trust in your offerings Mm -hmm. so that you can reach them and help improve their life as well. Amen. I can't wait for you to write this book. Amen. How do we get this thing out sooner? The world needs it, man. (laughs) I called my author. I called my author because we just finished. It hasn't gone into editing, but we just finished The Life and Death of CEO Charlie. And I called my author and we're, you know, it's time for like getting a publishing deal and all that stuff. So I'm like, you know, pitching the book agents, trying to convince, you know, them that like, you know, I'm special. Like, please give me a shot. You know, I'm like going through that process Mm -hmm. of like trying to get out there and knock on doors and sell a book, you know, just like I guess anybody would have to. But I I called my author who I co-wrote my book with. And I said, I said, it's time to write the I am you theory. He said, hold on. Charlie, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get this the first one sold first. So, but I'm, I'm ready to start writing immediately. You know, my advice to you, because we've been there, done that with the book thing. Um, mm-hmm. Start writing this book right now, like while yeah. it's in you, while it's hot, while you're, while it's excited, while you're waiting to sell your other one, and then you're gonna have to sell it and get it published and do the book launch and do all that stuff. While you're doing that, if you mm-hmm. have the bandwidth. Write this book right now, so that they can, it can be done and sitting there in the wings and waiting. For when the other Great. one has its time. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push, I'm gonna push my co-author's hand. It's time to, it's time to, time to double team them. <laughs> Man, I freaking love this. Okay, listen, I want everybody to follow you. I want everybody to tap into what you're doing. I want everyone to support. You know, your current mission, your next mission. I've quickly become a big Charlie the Rocket fan. So, where <laughs> can we find you, and where can we follow you? 
Instagram is the best place to follow me. It is where I give all the just realness. Um, It's the most authentic place for me to live. So at Charlie on Instagram, uh, just just Charlie, not A-T, Charlie, but like the at symbol, Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-I-E on Instagram. Please follow me. Please reach out to me. I do talk back. Man, I love it. I love that you commit to doing that. And following your Instagram is one of the most interesting uh, Instagrams I follow, by the way. So keep doing what you're doing. Last question is this. I ask everybody this question and I love the diversity in answers I get. So give me a reason why people should be unapologetic about their uh, pursuit of success. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Man. Okay. First of all, nobody's going to believe in you until you get like down the road. So you got to have this like delusional, optimistic mindset. Like I'm talking about even when the ship is sinking, oh, we're good. This is going to be easy. Like always stay in that mindset and 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 protect. It's literally a layer of protection because so many people are going to try to talk you off of your dreams because they're working within reality. And the fact of the matter is reality has nothing to do with being successful. Like you're going to have a dream and you're going to be all alone and you've got to protect yourself from everybody who's going to just say the simplest little thing that's going to have you questioning. And the second you start questioning You're not going to take the step forward. So what I recommend is protect yourself. Be selfish in your protection. And you'll be able to help everybody else out later. But at the beginning, protect yourself and and be a delusional optimist. Be a little insane about how perfect everything is. Because the second you start thinking about all the things that can go wrong, you're going to get paralyzed and people will try to paralyze you. I'm experiencing it right now. There are so many people that are trying to tell me to be more realistic with what I want to do with my career, with how I want to be a speaker or a writer. And people are literally trying to get in my head and I have to be selfish to myself because at the end of the day, I'm the only person that is technically needed for my dream. Mm. Everybody will catch up later and they'll thank me later. Just tell people, just thank me later. Trust me. Thank me later. Dude, so freaking good. What an awesome way to put a bow on this thing. Charlie, listen, man, I cannot thank you enough. This is going to be one of those episodes that people turn to time and time and time again for inspiration Mm. to cut through the shit and to find Mm. themselves in your journey, man. And I'm just so grateful. Uh, Bro, I think this was the most fired up I've ever been. Um, I don't know what you did to bring it out of me, but I'm fired up. (laughs) (laughs) It was meant to be. Man, I appreciate you and I can't wait to collaborate in the future. Thank you, brother. Hey, uh, give me a call, all right? For sure. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.